listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey, this is Todd Urey, CEO of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. We're here live in Orlando, Florida at the National Community Pharmacists Association's 2023 coverage show. We can't wait for you to hear these amazing interviews. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network's press coverage of the National Community Pharmacy Association's annual conference. Hundreds of pharmacists, pharmacy owners, technicians, and students attended the 2023 NCPA annual convention at the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando between October 14th and October 17th. Thank you to the Independent Pharmacy Cooperative, known as IPC, for being our media support sponsor for this three-part series. And now, here's our host, CEO and founder of the PPN, Todd Yuri. John Cavello, IPC. We're here at the booth at the NCPA 2023. It's so nice to have you. Todd, thank you so much. I'm glad we're able to do this today. Thank you Uh, for being here to do this. You are so welcome. I follow you on LinkedIn mostly, and you put out a ton of information that teaches me what's going on. And as a publicist, Mm -hmm. I look forward to your posts because now I'm able to like go out to the Google sphere and actually search for what you're talking about and find more information. But you were talking to me about Medicaid, which is a very confusing subject for a lot of people listening, definitely for me. Give us an update from your perspective. And just very quickly, you know, for your listeners, I'm our government relations director, so I do both state and federal advocacy and a lot of the grassroots get our members involved. But we, six years ago, seven, actually closer to eight now in Ohio, first were involved with what happened at the ground level of finding that stores were getting paid less and through their investigation, the state was still being charged at the the rate. That's Mm -hmm. what this notion of spread pricing is. What it's really evolved into, states after states were finding out they were getting overbilled. So we worked very closely in Ohio and taking that state after state to show the pattern of what happened, to advocate and educate to get them to change it. And in state after state, they've done this. They've actually saved money and it's done three things. Taxpayers save money. Patients get all their prescription met because stores are getting fully paid for that and they don't have to turn away scripts so they can fully serve the patient. The only loser in it was the MCOs and PBMs that were were manipulating the system. That's happened in about eight states. But here's the important thing, Todd. These successes of what we're doing to get everybody to wake up and advocate Yes, for the stores, but for their communities and their patients of where the disruption has been and economic harm that we heard about at this convention is now getting attention where it's percolating up to Washington. Okay. And all these successes have built it, and we've been very, very involved working with our partner NCPA and even NACDS and other other actors in, in the stakeholders of pharmacy to educate Washington, they needed to change it. For the third Congress in a row now, we've advanced bills to make that mandate of these fixes of pay the NADAC, pay the drug costs, and a professional fee, and that's all the PBMs charge to the government, Medicaid, a federal mandate under under the uh, Medicaid federal law. And, you know, despite the the chaos in Washington right now, that bill is ready to go. It's just a matter of the process there of getting them back to voting on bills. And the federal government, I always say this, look at all these studies done, and that's what we educate on. It's not the industry saying this. They've documented between uh, overbilling, between 
studies of what's happening between the settlements of lawsuits, Medicaid fraud lawsuits um, by, against Centene, this is over $2 billion states have identified. Mm -hmm. The federal government expects to spend, save at least a billion dollars on just this fix. And believe me, with what you're seeing going on with spending in Washington, they, they're looking for things that they can change in policy that translate to saving money. So this is what we try and do. We try and make a positive, direct impact of our, our advocacy efforts where it matters to the stores of what they'll see in their operations to better serve their patients, more economically operate, and then being able to grow beyond that. So we're a big, big proponent of more billing for services. The lessons learned from COVID, mm -hmm. uh, it's documented. Don't believe me, Todd, look it up. Yeah. How uh, um, there's been a report done by Alcuvio who gets all claims data, mm -hmm. all healthcare. Pharmacists far and away gave out most of the COVID treatments of vaccinations and, and, and COVID treatments. Yep. So we're trying to capitalize on all of this, but I appreciate you uh, helping us amplify that message and really hopefully encouraging more members. I, I'm nothing special. I, I'm dedicated to what I'm doing. I, I love what I do and I'm a policy professional and advocate, but I have the real secret sauce behind me of all of these members because they know their communities, they know their patients, and they really know policymakers, constituents, closer and better with them. And it's a matter of just now fighting, not just for themselves, but for the people in the communities they serve. So I feel very optimistic for the first time in 17 years of being in this industry that the last couple of years of trend from COVID, we're, we're getting everybody engaged and energized to make these changes. But as you know from following these things. Change in, in the world of government and policy doesn't happen quickly and you have to be persistent. Yep. Uh, but I really look forward, Todd, to you know taking this opportunity that your listeners will learn a little something and feel a little better. And, and I believe all this is about a dialogue and I look forward to more opportunities where we can get, you know, maybe one or two of these just on a specific issue where we can dive a little deeper. Absolutely. We want to have you back. I'd like to actually Love recruit to you to the PBM Reform Podcast because sure. of your understanding. Yep. Um, and we're excited because we bring in people that know how to build conversations mm -hmm. with stakeholders, with government officials, with our Congress, get yep. Buddy Carter back, sure. get Shane Reeves back, people that are serving their state Senate, their state Congress, mash them up together so yep. that we can get more information out to, to Congress people who just don't understand the complexities of, of insurance and of PBMs and of Medicaid. I mean, it's, it's confusing, it's, and, it's hard and, to navigate. And whether it's the policymakers, those in the community as, as the providers serving it, the patients, or ultimately the end payers, whether it's government or, or businesses, everybody is starting to wake up to the fact Nobody's containing drug costs. So you're doing a valuable service, not just to our industry, which I thank you for, but to everybody, because the more focus on this, the clearer the problem is. And, and what I feel hopeful about using Medicaid managed care reform as an example, there's a pathway to fix the problem. And that doesn't happen all that clearly where we've gotten such bipartisan support. I don't care if it's a blue state, red state, purple state. In Washington, you have members at all levels of the political spectrum agreeing on this. We have to work to make the change in, in, in how prescription drug benefits are covered and paid for and who's accountable on how it's being run. So 
Todd, again, I just thank you for making this opportunity to keep spreading that word. And, you know, I know Coke doesn't advertise <laughs> once and done, so it's always about message repetition, <laughs> right. right? And it is. we'll have more opportunities to keep the dialogue going. We look forward to it, John. I thank you. I look forward to it, too. Thank you very much. services and getting paid for clinical services. Those are two big, I mean, I could say clinical service, getting paid for clinical services. There's a gap between what I just said. Yes. Kelly, introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them about your mission here at IPC. My name is Kelly Stovall and I'm vice president of pharmacy services at IPC. I'm a pharmacist. My career started out in independent pharmacy. Even before I went to pharmacy school, I began working at a small independent in rural Arkansas. So I was able to see firsthand how a pharmacist and a community pharmacy actually affects the healthcare of a small rural area. And so I still have that passion. You know, I, rem I remember um, the difference that I saw uh, our pharmacists make in many people's lives in that community. So now um, at IPC, I worked in independent pharmacy behind the, uh, behind the counter for over 20 years. And so now at IPC, I have the opportunity to work with a peer group, really, mm -hmm. um, pharmacists, independent pharmacy owners, and help them implement clinical programs and also find money that they may have sitting on the table that they haven't collected, whether it be payer performance plans, whether it's reimbursements because of uh, inadequate metrics, and so we do that as well. So we'll help them set up point of care testing plans. We'll help them set up vaccination programs. You know, that, of course, COVID, you know, that opened everybody's eyes to mm -hmm. the importance of vac vaccination programs. But there's also you can go beyond that with travel vaccinations, um, RSV now, that's going to be available. And so there's so much you can do there and market to different um, populations. In fact, we have some stores that have a lot of vaccination programs around the colleges that are close to them. Yeah. So we look at that. We also will do education on 340B. 340B obviously is a good opportunity for a lot of stores and we'll do education on that. We'll help review contracts and help folks get into that and stay into that where it's still a good revenue stream. So I'm curious about testing. Um, and when I think of testing, I get it. Like um, you do the COVID test, it comes back negative, positive, you take action at that point. But then there's other testing that is gonna be coming out of um, IPC and, and other organizations that you're going to be able to react to something. What other disease state, what other condition is going to be important for testing and then being able to make suggestions to the physician or actually just take action based on being a clinical pharmacist? Oh, so, so much is out there. You know, I feel like we're at the the crossroads, if yeah. you will, of so many opportunities that we've we've waited for and worked toward for so long. With point of care testing, 
you know, you've got flu, you've got um, strep, you know, you can do those viral conditions and, and get a positive or a negative and, and uh, the patient can then take that to the physician or if it's a test and treat state, yep. they can then um, issue a prescription for that medication to cover that. As far as home testing, one of the things we are doing with the digital health program is home health kit, kit testing. So we have like, say, an STI panel um, and we were, we were talking with a, a member this morning, and he's near a college, and he does a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it allows that diagnosis to start a lot sooner because there may be, it's a little bit more comfortable sometimes to walk into a pharmacy to discuss those things rather than perhaps make an appointment with a provider or a, or a, a physician provider and go that route. So I think that it will allow consumers to really be more proactive about their health care. And, and I think that's really the key with pharmacy is that you can really be more proactive as a consumer when you walk into a store and discuss this, uh, your symptoms or your diseases with the pharmacist yep. and feel comfortable with that and trust that uh, the advice is going to be um, quality advice. Kelly, thank you so much for being part of this show um, and sharing your insights with us. Thank you. Ken Tai, so good to see you here at NCPA 2023. I know. It's always a pleasure, man. It's like just seeing old friends, So, exactly. especially yourself. I mean, I always look forward to seeing you. Yeah. Um, you told me a story that when you told me, I had to get it on the post show to really show how community pharmacies are standing out and how through uh, what the pandemic taught us about testing and immunizations, that it's carrying over into a lot of people who now have influence to advance community pharmacies being better supported, better paid, um, and, and pushed. And being a California-based community pharmacy owner, you have some advantages for some of the provider status, but you got some big exposure through a meeting and, and immunization that you did. So share that with our listeners. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was, uh, you know, I honestly, I, I had no idea what I was getting into, but uh, I was told by my team that, um, you know, we were uh, uh, graciously invited to, uh, uh, you know, one of the immunization events that we typically host um, with the community. It was actually at a skilled nursing facility. And, of course, I didn't really know what the implications were other than the fact they say, hey, this, uh, the, the CDC might be there. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, and, of course, we work so closely with L.A. County that it was uh, commonplace. We'd go to, you know, 15, 20, 30, sometimes 50 a month of these different events. And so I showed up uh, with my team, um, and of course the CDC director, Manny Cohen, was there, and uh, got a chance to meet her as well as uh, our uh, LA County public, the director of LA County uh, uh, Public Health, uh, Barbara Ferreira. And um, they said, hey, you, 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 can you immunize me today and give me the COVID vaccine? And I was like, wow, that's amazing, you know? Um, especially coming from, quite honestly, um, such a highly esteemed member of our healthcare team, uh, the CDC director. Yeah. Um, and of course, she herself is, a, is you know, a very well-respected physician. Um, and as a pharmacist, to be in a position where I could represent independent pharmacists, yeah. community pharmacists, and vaccinating her um, was just a huge honor quite honestly. And so um, we were just uh, very excited to, to be in that position and honestly, just on behalf of all community pharmacists. 
So community pharmacy owners are are a little nervous about the coming year in 2024, and the first quarter is going to be kind of tight with some of the adjustments that have been made to um, DIR fees and where they're collected, how they're collected. How has 986 uh, Pharmacies, how have you insulated yourself um, from the pinch um, that that's going to create? Well, first of all, the pinch is real. Yeah. I mean, there, it's definitely going to happen. But the good thing is I, I always felt that, um, you know, uh, change. Um, and by the way, I mean, even though we haven't gotten rid of DIR fees, the fact that it's at the point of sales is, is a huge, you know, step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So that's something that, quite honestly, is not new. We've known about this for about a year and a half, two years now. And so we've had a chance to really prep ourselves, right, from a cash flow perspective, uh, from a financial projections perspective, to ensure that we're fully insulated uh, when the time comes for us to, uh, uh, well, for this particular uh, litigation, I mean, uh, legislative uh, sort of implementation to carry out in 2024. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think we're okay. Um, I think we've already quite honestly planned for this day and I'm hoping that most of my colleagues have done the same because everything's about preparation, right? Um, if you're unfortunately looking at the clock and looking at the calendar and saying, hey, let's start doing something about it right now, um, <laughs> yeah. I think I'll be a little concerned, yeah. right? Uh, I'm not saying it's, a, it's, it's, you know, you're in dire straits, but it might be a little tighter for you um, from the cash flow perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, us as a group, my partners, everybody else, I, I think we're, we're in a good position. I do feel that we're ready for it. Um, we're, we're not necessarily looking forward to it, but we're ready for yeah. it. Um, and ultimately, it's, it's for the good, greater good, because um, to have, um, at least to know exactly what you get paid versus um, having that uncertainty of not quite knowing whether or not you're gonna make money or not on a, on a, on a prescription that you fill. Um, you know, I think this is, this is better, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is better. I see pictures of you on social media. I see uh, posts about you, and something that you constantly do is you raise up your team. You're constantly um, telling me how how it's the team that is making things happen. Um, and I just think that you as a leader, uh, putting your team first, that means a lot to me because I feel like that same way in my tiny, tiny little team, but I, I look at leadership the same way that you do. Yeah, and I totally agree, and it's so funny. Um, I'm just wearing my NCP, uh, NCPA VP hat here. Um, our slogan here is team up. I'm sure you've seen yeah. it all over uh, the exhibit floor as well as throughout the conference, and, um, and I think it, it really holds true. I mean, you know, nobody can do you know, anything at any large scale by themselves, yeah. right? Um, uh, and I, I feel the same. I feel I have a small and mighty team because ultimately um, that's how we are able to get where we are. And, and, you know, whether it's you or me, I get to be lucky, you know, to, to be in front of you and talking and representing them and sharing with you some of the great things that have happened. But none of this is going to happen without all the hard work, quite honestly, the boots on the ground efforts that they're putting forth. Um, even going back to um, the discussion about, you know, the opportunity to, to vaccinate our CDC director. Yep. I'm sorry, they were the ones that were out there vaccinating the hundreds of thousands of, of individuals <laughs> yeah. um, to get us on the map so that they felt that, hey, you know, we want these guys to be out here representing uh, community pharmacists and uh, vaccinating me, right? Yeah. Um, so I give them all the credit, man. I just have been very blessed to be in a position where I get to, quite honestly, be in the photo. I mean, that's all I can say. Uh, so at the end of the day, um, the, these are things where I think both of us have talked on multiple occasions about how important this team is, uh, people that do all the hard work behind the scenes so that we can do what we do. And 
Yeah, we're, I'm very grateful. And of course, NCPD, I think NCPA especially feels the same way, and that's why they, again, have used this as essentially their slogan for this particular conference. Yep. Dr. Ken Tai, we always enjoy talking with you. Thanks for being part of the NCPA Post Show. No, thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate thank it. You. I go to pharmacy conferences and I run into Marie Wilda. It's exciting to see you again. I think the last time we were at a conference was Diversify Our X Profit Summit. That's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was there with uh, Would You Like Shots with that, my passion and, project. And <laughs> you were on This Week in Pharmacy. That's right. Yes. And we were talking about kind of the whole blow up of the national walkouts and how you can't. There's an, e there's an ecosystem, a, m a macro ecosystem of pharmacy that when you start messing with payment metrics and models, it affects our employees, it affects our pharmacists, our technicians. The whole meaning in, you know, what would you like shots with that documentary? And I, I just think a lot of you, because you're vested like I am, neither of us are pharmacists, but we yeah. believe this is our home, this is our profession, and we take a lot of pride in it. That's true, yes. Yeah, I'm not a pharmacist. I often I often lead with that in the conversations because I don't want to misrepresent any of it, but um, I believe so strongly in what independent pharmacy can bring to the table, um, but also pharmacy in general. You know, One of the things that you said on that um, This Week in Pharmacy uh, podcast that we did was, we don't want CBS to go out of business. True. We need that access. Um, so what what I would like to see, what we would like to see is, is a level playing field for everybody who, who adds value to the healthcare system. So you are building some services and some consultation abilities for pharmacy. So I want you to share with our listeners what you're doing. Yeah, so um, I have created a, a system. It's called RevAmp30, and it's uh, unlocking your revenue strategy in 30 days. So what I've done is basically taken 15 years of sales, marketing, and event experience and created a process for you to one, identify your core customer. What is the makeup of your community? What do they need? How do you provide that to them? How do you differentiate yourself and stand out? Where's the market space? What is the persuasive strategy? The messaging matrix? And then the three to six marketing priorities that you need to implement in order to have a true revenue marketing and sales process in your pharmacy. So. 30 days, it's an offsite, we do data validation, and you walk away with the strategy. You can take it, you can throw it in a fireplace, you can give it to your team and I can help them implement or you can hire me to bring it to life. But ideally, what I wanted to provide was um, turnkey, you can take it, implement, um, and I wanted to eliminate the, what, what I think what marketers call throwing spaghetti against the wall mm -hmm. and seeing what sticks. When I went out on my own, I found people knew what they wanted, but they didn't know what they needed. Mm. And so that's where the, uh, that was the driver. I need to tell and got, not even tell people, because you can't tell people. I needed to guide them to realize what they need before they can start to implement what they want. Is there a, is there a, potential client that you would consider like the sweet spot client based on size or something else of, of, of pharmacy ownership or 
community versus long-term care? Like, explain that to our listeners, too. Yeah, so um, I think that ideally, um, look, uh, I love the, um, the small pharmacies because it gives us an opportunity to grow together. Mm-hmm. I, I've worked with pharmacies with seven locations and, and multiple locations. Um, they are, I mean, it's equally exciting because they have enough systems in place that it's almost complementary, and then you can hit the ground running relatively quickly. So I don't think it's an either or. I think the, the attribute in a pharmacy that's ready for this system is the realization that they they don't know what they need, they're not identifying their core customer, they're not leveraging their data, mm-hmm. and they're ready to, right? They recognize that there's an urgent and expensive problem, and they're ready to address it. The, the pharmacy that still thinks you can throw up Facebook posts, that still thinks that, you know, you can just pick a program for this month and focus on it, that's, that's not the right match, they're not ready to look at it mm-hmm. from a deeper, more uh, strategic perspective. If that, if that, does that provide yeah, a little bit of context? Absolutely. You so have to be ready. If someone's listening and they're like, this is really interesting, I want to reach out to Marie, how do they get a hold of you? So I'm on LinkedIn, um, it's Marie Wilda, but my company is called Lenkai, L-E-N-K-A-I dot C-O, but LinkedIn is kind of where I'm living right mm-hmm. now. It's, it's me, I have a couple of, um, you know, part-time associates that I, I bring in and out of the organization. Um, so Linkai is the best. But I mean, LinkedIn is the best Excellent. best place to contact me. Excellent. And your last name is W I L D E. D A. D A. Like Wilda Beast. Wilda. Wilda Beast. <laughs> and she is a, a beast, beast of community pharmacy <laughs> improvement. Let's go. All right. Yes. Very good. Well, I appreciate you being part of the 2023 post show here at NCPA. Before you go, answer a quick question for me. Why is it important to come to these conferences? Oh, the conversations. Look, uh, you know, I love conferences. That's, an, uh, you know, events in general. That's another area that I've been involved in for many, many years. Um, That's how I met you. Yeah. It was through, yeah, yeah. PDS through PDS back in the day. It's, you cannot, yes, virtual has its place in the world. Yeah. Um, but it's the conversations. It's that that serendipitous. Oh, we ran into you, and you know this was the question. Like yeah. I, I sat in on a session where they were talking about point of care testing. I shared it with my pharmacy client, and he's like, "Find out who she is. Let's get in touch, and let's figure out how we can start to implement." Because they're coming in at the ground floor. But if I hadn't walked in on that session, hadn't shared that with my pharmacy you know, we would have still been trying to figure it out on our own, but it's it's almost um, it's almost an accelerator. Marie Wilda, it's good talking to you as always. Good Thank to see you. you. Thank you for what you're doing for the profession. Thank you for your work on Would You Like Shots with that too. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Always a pleasure.